Well, thank you, Katie and Beth. What an awesome song. And I know you guys brought a Bible with you this morning, so let me invite you to open it with me to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 this morning. And again, if you're visiting with us, we've been going through a subject series this July entitled Pray Big. So we've already looked at how to pray big for your husband and your wife as well as your son. And this morning, we're going to talk specifically about how to pray big for your daughter. Now, if you don't have a daughter, uh, maybe you'll have a daughter-in-law one day, or uh, maybe you know somebody who's got a daughter, all right? So you can pray specifically for them uh, in the days ahead. But great, great uh, time that we'll have together looking at that. So Colossians 4 and verse 2, let's stand together in honor of God's word this morning. And you've got it there in front of you, say yes. And uh, just so you guys are with me, let's all just read it from the screen, all right? There it is on the screen. So on the count of three, we'll just read it out loud together. One, two, three. Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. All right, let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, we cautiously come before you knowing fully that you desire to work and that the enemy also works over time. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you push back the forces of darkness, keeping individuals from hearing what you desire for them to hear. And God, we also pray that the gospel be very clear this morning, that those who do not have a real, authentic relationship with you would indeed come to know you. God, we rejoice in those who've made decisions over the past uh, several weeks and excited about those last service as well. And just want to pray that you continue to work in our midst. Uh, use your word today as we study it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So you can be seated. So that's our theme verse, Colossians 4 and verse 2, devoting ourselves to prayer. And this morning, we are going to apply that specifically to devoting ourselves to pray big for our daughters. Now, you may have uh, heard or perhaps even seen the movie uh, entitled Taken. Uh, it's an action movie starring Liam Neeson, uh, who's a retired CIA block uh, black ops agent whose daughter was kidnapped while visiting Paris. Uh, the father, Liam Neeson's character, had an opportunity to talk with the kidnappers over the cell phone in which he said to them this, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills that I have acquired over a long and very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I'll not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I'll look for you. I'll find you and I will kill you. It's a good intro for the message, ain't it? <laughs> I will kill you. But anyway, so uh, it was kind of funny. I did it in the first service, and like when I was studying, it was so much cooler. And then I did it in reality, and I'm like, yeah, that went over well. But anyway, so, uh, you know, the remainder of the movie, really, it does. It deals with Liam Neeson's character, this father who is chasing down the kidnappers and apprehending his daughter. You know, I think a movie like this kind of strikes a chord with a father, a father who especially loves his daughter. He will go to the very edge of death to protect and rescue his loved one. You know, there's nothing that could keep a dad doing everything in his power to rescue his distressed daughter. And while your daughter may never be kidnapped, there is, in fact, still an impending danger for your daughter. Scripture describes a thief who is after your daughter that begins the moment that she enters into the world. The Bible says in John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, the kidnapper in this case is not a mob in Paris, but rather a devil and his demonic followers. And they are only after uh, your daughters as well as after both of mine. 
And like Liam Neeson's character, we as parents have to resolve that there is nothing that will keep us from doing whatever is necessary to protect our daughters from the evil one. And in doing that and fighting, we need to realize that our greatest weapon is the weapon of prayer. You know, E.M. Bounds is a Methodist theologian. Uh, He said this on one occasion, and I quote, Few Christians have anything but a vague idea of the power of prayer. Fewer still have any experience of that power. The church seems almost wholly unaware of the power that God puts into her hand. This spiritual carte blanche on the infinite resources of God's wisdom and power is rarely, if ever, used and never used to the full measure of honoring God. It's astounding how poor the use, how little the benefits. Prayer is our most formidable weapon, but the one in which we are the least skilled, the most averse to its use, end quote. So you see, we have this weapon as parents, this weapon of prayer, and you and I must discipline ourselves to fight the enemy through prayer on behalf of our daughters. And really, that's what I'm seeking to do in the life of both of my young children, both Maddie as well as Marley. So with that in mind, I just want to give you four big prayers that I'm lifting up on behalf of my daughters. I want to encourage them to pray uh, for your daughters as well. So number one is very simple. Pray that she delights in the Word of God. Pray that she delights in the word of God. So I pray that my daughters can say like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey in my mouth. You know, the scripture is described as something as delightful as eating sweets. And I pray that my daughters have this kind of love for the word of God. And I guess the question will be, well, why? Why would we want our daughters to be delighting in the word of God? Few reasons. One, here's a good one. God reveals himself through his word. See, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 23, for you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. See, God through his word reveals the nature of truth concerning a person's need for salvation and produces new life in a person at the moment of conversion. And as my daughters get into the scripture, the word of God, they will not only begin to see the truth and the reality of who God is, but also the Bible teaches that their faith will strengthen Listen to what Romans 10 and 17 states. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Jesus Christ. See, the more that my daughters spend time delighting in the word of God, the more of God they will come to know and the more of God they will be able to delight in. And as they spend time in the word of God, learning the character and the nature of God, the more sensitive they will become to the leadership of God in their own personal lives. So in a nutshell, the more my daughters delight in the word of God, the more they will know God and see his hand at work. So I want to pray that my daughters would delight in the word of God because, listen, God reveals himself to them through his word. But there's another reason I want them to delight in the word of, the word of God. It's because God's word will keep them from sin. Listen to Psalm 119.11. The Bible says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, both of my daughters, they're young, right? And so they have this uh, great uh, fantasy life oftentimes about being a princess. You ever had that before, ladies? <laughs> and uh, that happens oftentimes, and they collect jewelry, right? They've got little jewelry boxes at home. They put all their bracelets, their little hair bows, all their little dresses, that kind of thing. And they love to dress up. They did it last night. They had a little uh, talent show for us last night. So Maddie and Marley put on a little mock dress, put on their hair bows, a little uh, too much makeup. But they got all this stuff together so that
then they could do a little dance for us and they got their groove on last night, right? But they put all that stuff in the same place. Now think about it. But what if and what difference would it make really if in the life of your daughter, if she treasured up God's word in a very similar fashion? And then whenever she faces temptation and temptation comes to your daughter, she would open up the treasure box of her heart and find the scripture that she needs to help her to avoid sin. You know, Jesus Christ in Matthew's gospel, chapter four, was tempted on three occasions. And each time he offered up the word of God to defeat the temptation. So I want to pray that my daughters, listen, would get to know the word of God and they would treasure it deep down into their hearts so that when they are tempted to sin, they will immediately, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be reminded of a passage of scripture which will enable them to overcome the temptation. So I want to pray that for my daughters, that they would just delight in the word of God. It's going to help them stay away from sin. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Here's another reason I want to pray that. It's because God's word will keep her from a life of emptiness, a life of emptiness. The psalmist notes, and Psalm 119 is an awesome chapter in the Bible, by the way, the longest one in the Bible, and it's all about the word of God. And listen to what the psalmist says. He says, turn my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. See, the psalmist is magnifying a desire for God's word and leaning and learning and living the word of God. The Lord will keep my daughter's eyes from looking at emptiness. And the word vanity speaks of those things that are worthless, inconsequential, and lack substance in this life. So I do, I want to pray that my daughters don't get caught up in the trivial matters of life, but that they root themselves in the word of God, find their delight in him, and listen to this, and actually live for eternity, that which genuinely matters. So that's prayer number one, just praying that they delight in the word of God. And then prayer number two is pray that she finds her identity in Jesus Christ. Pray that she finds her identity in Jesus Christ. You know, the current world system projects upon our daughters how they should look and also how they should act. The world system, as we learned last week, is driven by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Therefore, mainstream media and culture seeks to press our daughters into their mold for womanhood, namely by putting forth what defines them as valuable or worthy of attention. And ultimately, our society attaches a person's worth to what they look like, what they wear, who they associate with, how vulgar they talk, and how far they'll go with someone of the opposite sex, or even in our days as well, the same sex. So if a girl is not the prettiest, if she's not the skinniest, if she's not the sexually freest or the most popular, they begin to have feelings of inadequacy, emptiness, and worthlessness. You know, studies show that a desire for girls to fit in lead them to take drastic steps in their life. Jim Daly of Crown Ministry writes, teens in general and young women in particular are especially vulnerable to developing eating disorders, many of which spring up after being inundated with images of the perfect figure. And so what he's getting at here is that teenage girls are spending time looking at their little 17 magazines and all of these women with the perfect figures, they're like, I don't look like that. So they begin to, in many cases, develop eating disorders, trying to fit in. Which, by the way, whether you're aware of it or not, uh, they actually touch up those photos. All right? Y'all out there? I'm out there. Not only are teenage girls susceptible to these temptations, but also to the temptations uh, to give herself away to another guy. You know, Suzanne Gosselin, a focus on the family, writes, watch any teenage show today and sex among teens is presented as commonplace. 
have the consequences of sex, unwanted pregnancy, sexually transmitted uh, infections, and emotional fallout or not. And yet the reality of sexual activity among teens is bleak. One in four teenage girls in the U.S. has a sexually transmitted infectious disease, according to a study by the Federal Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. That adds up to more than, check this out, three million girls. Among girls who admitted having sex, the rate was 40%. Human uh, papillomavirus, which causes cervical cancer, the CDC found it is most common in teenage girls ages 14 to 19. So you see, the enemy is after your daughter. You've got to look like this. You've got to do this in order to be accepted. That's the culture seeking to pressure, listen, pressure our daughters into their way of thinking and living. So we've got to wield our weapon of prayer. We can't just sit back and, and let it happen. We've got to fight a spiritual fight to keep them from being kidnapped by godless culture. You know, our daughter's identity is not derived by her weight, her height, her look, her friends, or her sexual activity. Our daughter's identity is to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So we must pray that the Lord would open their eyes to see that marvelous truth. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we've got to pray, first of all, that our daughters come to know Jesus Christ personally. If they do not, they'll never know the reason for which they were created, nor the reason for which they exist. Listen, God created your daughter. God has a purpose for your daughter. So you must pray that they come to know God so they can find out the very reason for which God created them. Your daughter needs to have a salvation story. And uh, can your daughter, or you for that matter, say something like this? There was a time in my life when I was going the wrong way. And the Lord reached out and brought me to the cross. And by faith, I experienced the forgiveness of sin that Jesus died and rose again to provide. And at that time, my eyes were open. All right, my heart was gripped. My life was captured by the grace of God. And I've never been the same since. And look, if your daughter, or you for that matter, can't tell a story like that, they have not come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the number one step that they should take in their journey towards the Lord is accepting Christ as the penalty of their sin and believing in his resurrection. You need a salvation story. And as she comes to know Jesus Christ, she become uh, aware of her identity in him. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 139, 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, this means regardless of what others say about you, you've been created by God, the God of the universe, listen, fearfully and wonderfully. God called the children of Israel his prized possession. And as members of God's family in the New Testament, don't you know that our daughters are also considered by God a prized possession as well? So society may magnify a woman's outward appearance, but the scripture tells us in Proverbs 31 and verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain and fleeting. But a woman, check this out, a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So the Bible says, so in Christ, my daughters are loved unconditionally by God, and he promises that he will never leave them or forsake them. He'll always care for them, protect them, and lead them. And I want my daughters finding this out early on in their life, never deviating from who they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, right? I don't mind my daughters dressing up and looking pretty. Y'all all right? 
But I want to make sure that that does not become the number one priority in their life. So I've got to pray the scripture into their life. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding of the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality, listen to this, of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So that segues literally to the third big prayer, and here it is. Pray that your daughter would walk in purity. Pray she'd walk in purity. Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul magnifies what I need to pray that my daughters would do with their bodies. So I'm praying that they would give themselves over totally to the Lord. Listen, the great protector of the purity of my daughters is the Lord. And so long as they give themselves over to God, they will walk in purity. You know, Paul the apostle writes to the church in Corinth that saw loose living as the norm. They were not giving their bodies over to God for service. They were giving their bodies over to anyone in sin. And listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He says, like, do you not know that your body, are y'all listening, say yes. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, check this out, glorify God in your body. So I do, I want my daughters to see the value that God has placed upon them. He gave the life of his son to redeem them and to make them his own. So I want to pray that in purity, they glorify God with their bodies and enter into a married life in the same manner. Now, for some of you, you may be like, well, too late for this prayer. My daughter has already fallen morally. So you may be in the building and you're like, not only am you talking about daughters, I've fallen morally. I've already messed this thing up. Well, check it out. Here's uh, good news for you, all right? God is extremely gracious. So even though that you have fallen into sin, God graciously reaches out to you in the person of Jesus Christ, and he will not only forgive you of that sin, he will restore you in your relationship to him, and from this day forward, all right, you can walk in purity. Now, are y'all listening I just feel like I need to be real clear on this. Purity, y'all listening, say yes, means no sex before marriage. That's what purity is. So if you've got it going on before marriage, that ain't pure. (laughs) So stop that. Repent of that sin, get right with Almighty God, and start walking in purity. And listen, pray that your daughters would have that attitude. They want to give, listen, their very best to the Lord. So we pray that. From this day forward, pray your daughter would walk in purity. Y'all still with me? Say yes. I mean, I'm just up here preaching is what I'm doing. All right? So y'all pay attention. All right? Now, I can't wait to get back to Luke's gospel. Y'all out there say yes. Next Sunday, I'll be back in Luke's gospel. These are tough to preach. But anyway, here we go. Last prayer. Praying big. <laughs> Y'all look rough. Y'all still with me? Yeah? All right, very good. Here it is. Pray that your daughter protects her mind. Pray that your daughter protects her mind. Now, I've come to realize that women use their minds a lot more than men. Uh, typically, if you ask a man, uh, what you thinking about? He'll say nothing. 
That doesn't mean he's uh, thinking of something just not telling you. It really means he has nothing on his mind, all right? Nothing's going down there. And um, now, y- y'all just listen, all right? Because what I want to do now is kind of share with you from uh, just a little experience. I don't do this too often, but uh, sharing from experience here. Over the years, uh, being a pastor, you have the opportunity uh, to uh, counsel some folks, minister to them, share biblical truth with them. Uh, I have found uh, when sharing with ladies, oftentimes I end up sharing the exact same thing. Now, don't get me wrong, I share this with men as well, but I have found that women experience at a greater rate, for whatever reason, a massive attack on the area of their thought life. And many times what destroys a woman and brings her down into the pits of despair and discouragement is simply what's going on in her mind. And so she has thoughts that are based upon oftentimes speculation, oftentimes imagination, takes her mind captive, carries her off to plunder. She becomes consumed with worry, anxiety, fear, stress. But the root of that outcome is all based upon what she may think someone is saying or maybe what she uh, thinks is going to happen, but there's really no verifiable proof that it's true. Emotions take over before you know it. If they, uh, they become so bummed out themselves that they can barely function. But oftentimes, I man, I found this based upon speculation, all right? And this is just for everybody, so pay very close attention. The enemy attacks your mind with what ifs, all right? So if you're walking around and all you can think about is what if this happened, what if that happens, what if this, what if, that's worry, that's sin, all right? Don't welcome that mess into your mind because you'll welcome something in and create a scenario all right, of what's going to happen and then base an attitude uh, upon a false scenario and then actions based upon that attitude and you just act crazy. Y'all out there? Don't do that. The Bible says that we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts are like uh, visitors to your mind. They knock on the door of your mind and they don't come in unless you allow them to. So whenever a thought comes and you have these what ifs firing off in your brain and all of these different anxious moments firing off, you need to grab those thoughts and bring them into subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of you have seen it, I'm sure, if not live on television, where uh, literally, and I'll just kind of share this story with you. I was an uh, intern on one occasion and uh, as a student guy, and we went down to Florida, and this joker had snuck into uh, one of the cabins and began to uh, steal everybody's money and stuff and then uh, sneak out. Well, they came running around the corner, and uh, they found me, which I, at that point in time, was six foot four and about 140 pounds. Are y'all listening say yes? And so they were like, he's over there, and he's stealing stuff. Go do something. So I did. I ran and tackled that joker. Y'all listening? Can I get a witness? Boy, adrenaline got all over me. And then I said, call the police, because I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, but we apprehended that man. That's all I got to say. I just thought I'd share that story with you. <laughs> but you got that imagery, right? You're wrapping him up. Same deal. You do the same thing with your thoughts. When thoughts come in that should not be there, you wrap those things up. Bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, should this thought be here? Lord, should this be occupying my mind? And if not, give me the grace sufficient to kick that thought out of my mind. 
You know, I'm praying that my daughters learn this early, that the enemy will continue to interject impure thoughts into their minds. He's going to attack them left and right. So, Lord, help them to learn to take those thoughts captive and bring them to Jesus, not being hospitable to half-truths, speculations, or fabrications of the enemy. Philippians 4 and verse 8 says it like this, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And the word dwell literally means to make a home. So the Lord's like, allow that which is right to make a home in your mind. Don't allow that which is wrong to enter in. Now, last Sunday night in our family group meeting, as we uh, discussed for a moment, Uh, just about prayer and how important it is, we also begin to realize that oftentimes we think of prayer as kind of like the last resort. You ever said this before? Well, all we can do now is just pray. And I've said it before and I'm the preacher. Y'all listening? So it's like we've exhausted all of our energy. Now, I guess all we got left is prayer. The enemy has duped us into thinking that prayer is a non-essential, not important. When the reality is, that should be the first place that we go, praying. And listen, you need to pray for your daughters, lifting them up, they delight in the word of God, find their identity in Christ, walk in purity, protect their minds. And you've got to fight for your daughter through prayer. Man, pray, pray, pray. God hears it, God responds to it. How many of you need to pray for your daughter this morning? Lifting her up, bringing her before Jesus. So let's do that. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. Hey, listen, this is a time of just prayer. We'll do the same.